What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Arnie's. We are two boys about to witness the hierarchy of power change in the DCEU with nothing better to do. I'm Matt Johnson, and I think we should start a campaign today to get Kevin Hart in Black Adam 2. And I'm Austin Terry, and my friend Matt's going to talk today, but I won't listen. I saw you put that in. Is that a line from the movie that I already forgot? It is a line from the movie. The JSA okay. goes, hey, we just want to talk. And he goes, you can uh, talk. I won't listen. Whoa. Pretty cool, huh? Uh, on today's show, of course, we are discussing the newest entry to the DCEU, 10 years in the making, which is crazy to think about, with Dwayne Johnson's Black Adam. But before we get to that, Austin, are you excited that Dwayne himself worked on the marketing for this film? Because uh, he won't shut up about it. <laughs> I mean, you know, if The Rock's in your movie, you're getting the full force of his social media marketing it as well. So I guess that's like an added bonus to cast The Rock. He just retweets people that are yes men to him of like, wow, The Rock really changed the hierarchy of power. Or my favorite thing now is his social media feed after the early reviews is just posting Instagram influencers comments of like the best movie in years, Black Adam. Yeah, he's a weird one. Like it sometimes, some days I respect The Rock, and then some days he just comes off as a hack. <laughs> so his social media feed is just so like carefully curated to be relentlessly positive. And he's, I guess we should say, he says he worked on the marketing for this film, but as somebody that works in marketing, that could just be like this asshole, like A lister coming in and saying he's working on the marketing, and then all the people that actually did it are like, what the fuck? We did that. I so, mean, he's never actually like typed up a post on his phone and hit send. No way. He has no a team way. doing that. But we'll get to it later because it seems like whether we like it or not, he is, you know, I don't know, going to be involved in some sort of like producer degree and like kind of shaping the future of the DCU and like what projects happen. I don't know if you missed it, but he's the new head of DC Studios. Well, that's a lie. <laughs> Thank God, that's a lie. <laughs> uh, we'll see. I, I'm I'm pulling for James Gunn. You know, they keep talking about you know James Gunn. You know, leaving Guardians three, and it seems like he's doubling down on DC. And it's like you know you have Kevin Feige at Marvel, James Gunn. I'd like to have him kind of curate some of these projects in the future. But so get the rock out of there. Let's get somebody with more talent in. <laughs> but he spent 15 years. I know he keeps saying it. <laughs> um, well, speaking of that, let's just go ahead and get into it because. I don't know, depending on how you look at it, The Rock said it's been 15 years. From what I remember, it was like 2013 they announced this. Either way, it's been a really long time since we first heard about The Rock circling Black Adam. And I recall around 2013, there was like some story that said like, hey, uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, because he was still like definitely using The Rock moniker <laughs> as an actor back then. He's like, he's been offered, he can play Shazam or he can play Black Adam. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Is he going to go against type and pick the villain? And sure enough, he did. He picked Black Adam, but then nothing ever came of that. Like they announced he was playing Black Adam, but this was before a Shazam movie was ever announced. Like it's like, okay, so when's he going to pop up in anything? And then years and years go by, we eventually get Zach Levi coming in to play Shazam. And everybody assumed, okay, I guess The Rock will be the villain. And then they're like, no, we're going to do our own kind of origin story. We'll get to that later. It's like, okay, I guess that makes sense. And now they've announced Shazam 2, and we know Black Adam's not in that. So, of course, when you hire someone like Dwayne Johnson, he's getting his own movie. It doesn't matter if Black Adam should be the villain in a different movie. He's getting his own damn origin story. Um, and that's what we have here. We have a Black Adam kind of marketed as it's an anti-hero story going back to like those early Venom trailers where it's like he's not a hero. He's not a villain. He's something in the middle. And we'll talk about it, I'm sure. I feel like that's a hard thing to pull off in a movie. In a comic, like a long-running comic book series over the course of years, that's something you can pull off. But in like a two-hour movie, is that really doable? So depending on how you look at it, this is 10 or 15 years in the making. <laughs> the Rock just wants to sound better, I guess. Uh, but let's just get into it, Austin. Uh, what were your expectations going in? And then finally, what are your non-spoiler thoughts on Black Adam? Yeah, my expectations for this movie have always been very low. My biggest concern actually is The Rock as the leading man for this film, because I think he's a great supporting actor, but I, I never think he should be anybody's like star of the movie. He just, to me, he's just, he's just not that high caliber of an actor. He kind of plays the same character over and over. So I was worried that this was just going to feel like The Rock with superpowers. Um, I think for the most part, to be a little bit positive, he does go a bit beyond just The Rock with superpowers, but not very far beyond that. I think for a lot of this movie, he's very one note and just a lot of one liners. Um, but there are like bits and pieces here where you do see him get a bit more charismatic and a bit more into the character. 
Um, I think the best thing I can say about this movie is for a long time, they said, we need Black Adam to have his own movie. He's a very complex character. We need the audience to understand where he's coming from before he starts being the villain in other films. And at the very least, I understand why they felt like they needed a full movie for this character, because there is a lot that they try to give you for the background of Black Adam, of Teth Adams. But to go into the negatives, there's just not much beyond the surface here. I think at its best, this movie is okay, but I think for the most part, it's pretty boring and a pretty bad movie. I keep seeing the constant critique of this movie feels like it's an early 2000s superhero movie, and I I think that's a pretty apt critique. Um, It feels like The Rock's been working on this for 15 years, but never updated his script to reflect where we are today in superhero movies. I did think for the most part, the supporting cast is very good, but the script itself just doesn't support their performances. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at. I think act one is pretty milk toast, pretty boring. Um, there are There is like a 20 minute sequence in act two where I was like, oh, I'm actually having fun with this. And then act three is just so predictable where it just kind of leaves you on a sour note. Um, so I, I did not leave the studios with the best impressions on this film. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I'm too far off from you. It definitely sounds like Maybe not only am I more positive than you, but I might be more positive than a lot of people on this movie. I, I had a good time with this. Um, granted, you know, talking about expectations, I went in with pretty bottom of the barrel expectations. I mean, none of the trailers really grabbed me. I, I mean, I'm I'm somewhat familiar with Black Adam from various stories and various comic book runs. But while I think he can be a cool villain, I was also kind of of the opinion, how is this going to work on its own, just introducing him outright when we haven't really gotten much of him at all before? Um, and, and they did an OK job, I think, with the origin story element. But really, the best thing I can say is I just had a fun time. I thought a lot of the action was really thrilling, really fun. I loved the musical score. I thought it was really getting me into a lot of scenes. I think maybe you could even argue the score kind of did a lot of the heavy lifting in whether it be emotional scenes, action scenes, or just, you know, kind of run of the mill scenes. Um, I I thought Dwayne Johnson was pretty good. I do agree with you that it is relatively one note, but there are enough bits and pieces there to kind of adhere you to the character or, you know, just get more invested in what's going on. Um, I completely agree with you that All of the supporting performances are really strong. It's just a lot of the time, I guess I shouldn't even say a lot of time, a lot of the the conduct characters, those supporting performances, that made more sense. Like they they fit into the story relatively well. The JSA, I really liked all of them, but it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense why they're there. And without getting into spoilers, there's some kind of confusing team dynamics that I just don't know why they didn't think about that when going into like this version of the script it just it just begs the question of what even is the jsa or where do they come from yeah. and how do they exist alongside everybody else in this in the dceu not even that they just imply through dialogue that they've been around for a very long time but half of their team are brand new members so it's like what so and they make they make them seem like a division of task force x as well which yeah. is strange we'll get into that i have a question about that but it might be too spoilery so we'll get to that later but Yeah, I mean, overall, like I said, I agree with everything you said. It's just I might be slightly, it didn't bother me as much, essentially. Uh, The third act, of course, is completely predictable. But overall, the best thing I can say, it's an okay movie. I wouldn't even call it particularly good, but I had a lot of fun with it. Yeah, I don't... I don't think I can even give it that I had fun with it stamp, because I just found everything that we saw on screen to be stuff I've seen in other movies before. Like, Pierce Brodson's as Dr. Fate, probably the best performance in the movie. His powers is just Doctor Strange from the MCU. They they don't they don't do anything new there for me. Um, the slow motion like lightning, it's cool slow motion, but I've seen way cooler slow motion in other projects. So all the stuff that they want to feel like so new and different for this movie just felt repetitive. And to go back to the Rock really quick, I don't think in a single sentence he ever says more than five words. So it kind of feels like he's just asked to be the Rock on screen, walking through walls, and not really like delving into this character or, or like showing any emotion. Yeah, I think I liked the character of Teth Adam more than I liked Dwayne Johnson as Teth Adam, if that makes sense. I agree sense. with that. I thought the character was pretty interesting. Um, and yeah, I mean, I agree with you. It's one, of that, it's one of those weird back and forth things where it's like Dr. Fate has existed way longer than Dr. Strange. So in like comics and other media, Dr. Strange just took from Dr. Fate. But now here we are and Dr. Fate's being introduced in live action for the first time and you at and a lot of people fairly are going to be like, well, there's nothing different here. And that's what sucks is like, I love Dr. Fate so much. Oh, so media, do I. And I, I was so excited to see him in live action. And it's weird because like they shouldn't have to do anything to set themselves apart necessarily. But at the same time, they kind of do now that we've gotten so much from the MCU and other stuff. So 
it, I don't know. A lot of this movie just feels too little too late. I think that ties back to it feeling like an outdated movie. It feels like this should have been coming out alongside Ben Affleck's Daredevil or Nick Cage's Ghost Rider. It's just exactly. an old movie. <laughs> if this had come out then, we'd be like, wow, this is incredible. They <laughs> yeah. really broke so much ground. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. The last positive thing I'll say about Black Adam is I do think this movie has done the best job I've seen of getting everyday people involved in the superhero story. And not a lot of people are talking about that with this movie. Yeah. There's a there's a family of conduct that's heavily involved in the story, and their involvement actually feels important and meaningful. And usually people without superpowers in these stories just kind of feel like side characters, but they actually felt like the main characters of the story. I, really, I, I would argue I like they're them. the main character more than Teth Adam in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. I like them a lot. For sure. Um, but yeah, I think with that, we're uh, you know getting to that point where we should go ahead and just drop a spoiler warning. So if you have not seen Black Adam and are planning to at any point, make sure you go check it out and then come on back to listen to the rest of our episode. Uh, before we get to the rest of our episode where we just you know talk full spoilers and all that, Austin, sounds like I'm a bit more positive than uh, you are on this one. Is there any reason people should go see this in a theater or should they just wait or should they just never really bother to see it? What's your kind of official recommendation? I would say wait till it comes to HBO Max and be about like two to three cocktails in and you'll have a blast with this movie. Okay. Okay. I like that. Yeah. I feel like uh, usually when we do recommendations, I often I'm like, it's not a great movie, but if you're going to see it, you should see it in theaters because of the spectacle. I can't even really do that with this one. I think while there are some like really great, big, exciting moments, I think, yeah, you can just wait for this one to come out. I don't think you're missing anything by not seeing it in theaters necessarily. I guess before we officially get into spoilers, should we answer the question, did The Rock actually change the hierarchy of power in the DCEU? No, <laughs> definitely no. not. <laughs> it was a good, I mean, the fact that every single person is making fun of that line, I mean, they're at least saying it, so The Rock, you know, did something, I guess. But yeah, definitely, no, did not really change the hierarchy of power. It is more interesting to talk about, I mean, this is probably the, be our last, you know, conversation point in the spoilers section, but... It's the the more interesting stuff is what happened behind the scenes with what Dwayne Johnson and his team kind of pushed to make happen in this movie so that they could make other things happen in the future of the DCEU. That's really what feels like it changed. Nothing like with his power level or anything feels really that different. Yeah, I, I will say I never want to see Black Adam, too, but I am excited to see Black Adam as a side character in other movies. Me too. Me too. So with that, let's go ahead and get into it. Final warning, if you have not seen Black Adam, we're about to get into spoilers. Hope you enjoy the rest of our conversation. All right, Austin, let's go ahead and get into this. Our favorite young boy, Keith, is not with us today. He'll be back next time. So it's up to you and me to hit up the cast and crew section. All right, so Black Adam is directed by Jamie Collett Sarah, who you may know from Orphan, Unknown, The Shallows, and Jungle Cruise with The Rock. Uh, it's written by Adam Steichel, Rory Haynes, and Sarab Nasirvani. And our score for the film is composed by Lauren Balfi, who you may know from Mission Impossible Fallout, the Call of Duty franchise, and the Assassin's Creed franchise. And of course, based on Black Adam, created by Otto Bender and CeCe Beck in 1945. That's right. As for our cast, of course, we have Dwayne Johnson as Teth Adam, a.k.a. Black Adam, Aldous Hodge as Carter Hall, a.k.a. Hawkman, Noah Centineo as Al Rothstein, a.k.a. Adam Smasher, Sarah Shahi as Adriana Tomas, Marwan Kanzari as Ishmael, a.k.a. Sabak, uh, Quintessa Swindell as Maxine, a.k.a. Cyclone, Bodhi Sabangi as Amon, Mohammed Amer as Kareem, and of course, we have some returning people. We have Jaiman Hansi returning as the Wizard Shazam, Viola Davis returning as Amanda Waller, Jennifer Holland returning as Amelia Harcourt, and the biggest one of them all, in my opinion, Pierce Brosnan, making his grand entrance and maybe finale to the DCEU with Kent Nelson, a.k.a. Dr. Fate. I don't know if you saw this, but Jim Lee apparently tweeted out that we need a Dr. Fate movie. And then The Rock quote tweeted him and said, 100%. Ooh. So, I mean, just like a like an old school JSA movie would be cool with Pierce Brosnan coming back. I'd like that. Uh, and I guess before we get into our positive or negatives, you know, everybody knows it at this point, but I guess we'll go ahead and drop it here. Uh, we, of course, have the much talked about and spoiled mid credit scene uh, with the return of Henry Cavill as Clark Kent, a.k.a. Superman. I don't believe, if I remember correctly, I don't think he shot any new scenes for Zack Snyder's Justice League, which would make this the first time he has shot new stuff as Superman in six years. Yeah, and it's cool to have him back, but this scene felt like something out of Justice League. It was very corny to me. A little bit. Yeah, there's. I mean, 
there's just nothing to it. All it is is like he's back. That's what I kind of talked about earlier. It's like the behind the scenes element is cool. The scene itself is like whatever. It's like Black Adam. We got to talk. It's like, okay. It is also weird because it, it now seems like Superman is under Amanda Waller's heel because she's like, I can send in someone from another planet and then he, he arrives. It's either that or he's just willing to help, which seems very Superman. It's, just, it's hard to say. You know, we don't know what he's been doing since whatever year, like in the world of the DCU, whenever Justice League took place, like obviously time has passed. So who knows what he's been up to? Hopefully with Man of Steel 2 that they're talking about, we'll get some of those gaps filled in. Anyway, so before we move on, uh, Austin, we already kind of talked about it. it. sounds like we both really liked Pierce Brosnan as Dr. Fate, but just looking at the cast and crew itself, do you have any other positives or negatives? Yeah, Pierce Brosnan is great, but my actual highlight, I think, is Sarah Shahi as Adriana Tomas. I think she's the actual standout performance of the movie. Um, I, I really like the heart of her character and how much she cares about Kondak. And I also like her involvement of if she has this son and she cares about keeping him safe. And so that's why she's kind of more involved in the story. And her conversations with Taff Adam, I thought were really great. I also like the conversations she has with the JSA, pointing out that they're people from a different country who don't yeah. understand how this country works. I, I kind of like that. She, she felt like the moral heart of this movie, and I thought she was fantastic. Yeah, that was a great scene. I love that. And again, I don't know. I think people are really down on this movie, but they're not talking about the good that is there. And I loved all that stuff. I thought that was actually kind of a cool reflection of the real world, but making it into like a comic book B plot. I like the JSA, like we're here for, you know, international stability. And then she's like, we've been like under this rule for 30 years. Where have you been? And it just kind of stinks of that whole thing of like, yeah, the JSA can say like, you know, we're here to save the world. But really they just have never been sent on a mission there. And it's probably because, you know, the people in power don't care about conduct. So why would they send anybody there to help them? So I thought that was actually kind of a, uh, like a really solid moment. And I, I thought that was pretty powerful. I just wish there were more of those moments in the film. Cause then we just go back to Dwayne Johnson casually walking through a wall right after that scene. Yeah, for sure. I agree with you. Uh, I already mentioned Lauren Balfe as well. I thought the score for this was genuinely like really solid, uh, getting me hyped up at a lot of parts. Um, into the, the cast portion, I liked, I liked a lot of these people. I, I don't think there's anybody bad here. There's certainly a lot of people that I wish had gotten more screen time. Um, I already kind of alluded to it in the non-spoiler section, but the JSA itself, I, I would have enjoyed a bit more of a, I don't know, like an, an organic introduction to Noah Centineo as Adam Smasher and Quintessa Swindell as Cyclone. I like the scenes that we got from them. It just felt weird that they were brand new to the team. They literally used David Ayer's Suicide Squad intro for these characters. A little characters. bit, yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, and here's Adam Smasher and Cyclone. <laughs> They've got my back. Yeah, very, very strange. But th that didn't stop me from enjoying them. I thought they were both good. Um, but yeah, I guess speaking of the JSA, another performance kind of along the same lines. The character, I understood what they were going for. I wish there was more to it. It was pretty corny at times, but that didn't stop me from liking Aldous Hodge as I always do. Uh, I thought Oof. he gave it. Oh, I might disagree, disagree there. Okay. The, the performance is good, but the character yeah, I did not like. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. I thought the performance uh, for Hawkman was good, but yeah, the character left a lot to be desired because I'm a pretty big Hawkman fan. So they definitely let yeah, me, me down too. in that sense. The moral code they set for this character yep. does not fit into this DCEU. So that's, that, that's what I want to talk about. It fits into this DCU, I think, not all the time. It doesn't fit into this movie. I think it's okay for Black Adam to kill terrorists and oppressors. Why are you trying to save them, Hawkman? That's well, it doesn't. Like, to me, it doesn't fit because of what we've seen Superman do, what we've seen Batman, Batman do, for and sure. what we've seen Wonder Woman do. Like, they've all killed. So it, it, that's why it didn't feel like it fit to me. Okay. Yeah, I hear you. Okay. Well, you know what Austin and I think. Uh, but let's go ahead and get into the critical reception. Let's see what everybody else is saying. Uh, Black Adam received mixed to negative reviews and currently has a 40% on Rotten Tomatoes. The site's critical consensus is Black Adam may end up pointing the way to an exciting future for DC films, but as a standalone experience, it's a wildly uneven letdown. Critics are positive towards some of the performances, including Johnson and Hodge, with Pierce Brosnan being the most consistent highlight. Some of the ideas were noted as being a welcome change to the DCEU, but there were, of course, a lot of criticisms, mostly for the screenplay and last-minute villain. The action scenes, um, I was kind of surprised to see this. Maybe you disagree, Austin, but the action scenes actually seem to be pretty polarizing for people. Uh, some people liked them and some people really didn't. So that's kind of uh, the overall. What do, you, what do you think of what the critics and other people are saying? Yeah, I think it's also worth noting that the audience score for Black Adam is 90% versus that okay. 40% for the critics. So there is definitely, as, as with every DC film, there's always a divide between the audience and the critics, it seems like. I wonder if this is Dwayne Johnson's influencers going on there and giving a higher review so he can market it better. Uh, <laughs> but 
Yeah, for the call it about the action, I I think the action with the JSA is the highlight. But I, yeah. I think Black Adam's action is pretty lame for the most part. All he does is shoot little sparkles out of his fingertips. Yeah, I think that kind of all their good ideas with the Black Adam action went into that opening sequence where he like comes out of the prison. Because even though he is just ultimately like shooting lightning at people like there was some cool things like watching him like grab somebody and then it's like watching their body kind of disintegrate away until it's just a skeleton i like seeing him move like henry cavill did in man of steel where he's kind of not the that flash was cool. like that yeah that felt like a cool callback like, with how quickly he moves for me though with the action it just felt like we were seeing him fly up really high and drop people over and over and that just got super repetitive to me um yeah. there was a scene from the trailers where he like smashes the wing of a fighter jet that I mm-hmm. wanted to see, and that wasn't in the movie. So I was kind of disappointed by that, too. Yeah, they forgot to put it in. <laughs> no, just kidding. All right, let's go ahead and move on, because uh, we're kind of uh, we're talking about a lot of interesting things here, and that's going to tie into our roundtable discussion. So let's get to our roundtable discussion. This is just the part of the show where you know Austin and I come together. We each brought a couple points, or just a few points, that we felt super excited to talk about. Maybe not even excited, just really unenthused but it was so bad we had to write it down so we could circle back to it so it's just the main part of our show so let's go ahead and get into it Austin, you want to start us off yeah we got to start with the man in black himself uh the rock is black adam of course wb is hoping his star powers was going to attract audiences to the theaters so just overall let's get a little deeper what did we think of the rock as our leading man for this film well, in terms of the star power, I mean, looking at like the box office that I've seen so far, I believe like the opening day and like the initial like the opening weekend numbers that we've seen up to this point seems to be the highest of Dwayne Johnson's career so far. I think they're tracking for like a somewhere between like a 60 and 70 million dollar opening. So sounds like they're pretty happy with that. Um, so certainly casting him was probably, you know, the right call. But I don't know. We've already talked about it a little bit. It's like I enjoyed his performance. There's a little bit more to it, I felt like, than just the kind of the stereotypical, like, charismatic rock. But whenever you do that, you're leaving him to his own devices to try and give an emotional performance. And that's where it can be kind of hit or miss. Like, there was some really solid scenes with that. I thought, like, listening to talk, like, tell his story about his son, for example. Like, that was just kind of like a standing and talking scene. But because he kind of nailed the emotion there and kind of that distant feeling, I thought he did a pretty good job. But then other scenes just don't really work as well. Overall, it's it's mostly just one note, I think, like you said at the beginning. And he doesn't say very much at a time, so it's kind of like, okay. It, it, it begs the question of, could they have gotten a better actor to do this? Yeah, probably, but I don't know if it would have made that much of a difference because Teth Adam is this kind of character. So in a weird way, maybe Dwayne Johnson was a good pick. Was it one note? Yeah, maybe the character is, but I still thought there was some good um, bits and pieces to the character that were interesting, but maybe that's more of like something I should say good job to the writers unless it's Dwayne Johnson. I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, I thought you had a good point earlier that you liked what they did with the character of Teth Adams, and that was the interesting part of this movie. I agree with that. But for me, when it comes to The Rock, I just don't think he has the acting chops to carry what they're writing out for this character on screen. He has the same face for the entirety of the movie. So when he's giving these emotional lines, it just feels like The Rock is standing there reading a script at me instead of actually like embodying Teth Adams. So I actually think a different actor might might have helped this film. The, the best parts of The Rock in this movie for me are some of the comedic bits, like him interacting with the kid, um, him trying to figure out how to get his like catchphrase down. I thought some of those jokes were funny, especially when he like drops the one guy and he's like, tell him the man in black, but then the guy hits the ground before, yeah. he can, like, <laughs> before he can finish the line. So stuff like that I thought was good. But overall, when he's like asked to stand and talk and actually interact with other characters instead of just look strong on screen, I think for the most part, he falters. Yeah, I, I hear you there. I, I think I enjoyed the sequences best when he's interacting, not only with the kid, but just anybody. I think he did a good job. And this probably ties back to what you talked about of like Dwayne Johnson's always been like a great supporting performer. But is he a great leading man if he's not trying to be charismatic and funny? Like, can he be a leading man on his own? And we've seen examples like Snitch in the past where he can do that. But I don't know. It, it, he's just a little bit hit or miss when it comes to more serious material and for me, it worked most of the time, but I can totally understand it not. I don't know. Do you want to talk about like less about The Rock now and more just about Teth Adam as a character? Because there is some interesting things to talk about, like with his whole backstory. And like when they showed the trailers, they showed the scene where like his son dies. So whenever they tried to do this thing of like, oh, like there was a twist in this movie, right? Where it's like the son 
became Black Adam because he said Shazam. So they're trying to pass it off as like, oh, he's like Billy Batson, who's a kid. But then, you know, whenever he you know says Shazam and uses his powers, he becomes Dwayne Johnson. I don't know. How, how did that work for you? Like, would that twist have worked had they not shown it in the marketing or were you still like, oh, that got me? So I didn't realize his son became Black Adam first. So that twist I thought worked in the movie because him struggling with the wizard didn't choose me. I, I was never meant to be a hero. I actually thought that was pretty interesting for this character, but I thought they introduced that too late into the film. Because for the majority of this movie, he's telling you, I'm not a hero. I kill people. I do all this stuff. And I'm like, why though? If you were this champion, is it just because your son ended up dying? So to find out that originally his son was chosen and then his son uses his powers to save his life back in ancient conduct, and then he becomes the Black Adam that we've seen for the majority of this movie. That I thought was really cool, but I wish I had known that earlier in the film because I think I would have understand why he's acting the way he is better instead of just finding him like kind of annoying and like a little bit like mopey, like like the kind of the complaints that were Henry Cavill's Superman, where he's not like the fun Superman we know about. He's just kind of moping around. That's that's what I felt like Black Adam was for the majority of this film. Yeah, some parts of the twist worked for me and some didn't like because as he's playing out, I was watching it like, well, this is weird because one of the fun things about Shazam is when Billy Batson, you know, when Billy Batson says Shazam and becomes Zachary Levi, Zach Levi is still playing the character as like somebody with an adult body and superpowers, but he's clearly still a kid, right? Yeah. Um, and whenever we're watching this one, and after the opening where they show us the son of Black Adam become Black Adam, I was like, well, this is weird because now I'm watching the present day of the movie and The Rock is not acting like a kid at all. So this seems odd. So like elements of that worked because then whenever they revealed the twist later, I was like, oh, of course, right? It was the dad. So he is just an adult already. So I was like, that's cool. But then some elements, like you said, are weird because they, they try and pass it off for most of the movie where like after he comes out of prison, he's like, I'm not a hero. Like I'm a killer. And it's like, but wait, in, in the flashback, you showed us you become Black Adam for the first time and then you like kill the king or whatever. Isn't that good? And then they just cut to present day. So it's like whenever he's talking about all of his bad deeds, I'm like, what is he talking about? We didn't see that. So when did he become this bad guy and then get imprisoned? So that part that they reveal later just makes it more confusing with the twist. And still the hard thing with what they present in this movie is they keep telling you like, I did bad stuff, but the only bad thing we ever see him do in this movie or quote unquote bad thing is in ancient times, he kills some oppressors or slavers. And then in present day, he kills some corrupt mercenaries. So he's not really doing anything bad. Like, I don't buy that this this Black Adam is going to become the more villainous side of Black Adam that we know from the comics and other animated stuff. And then that also goes to the whole like father son dynamic, because I can understand a little bit why he doesn't see himself as a hero, because he was a witness to his son basically becoming like being pure of heart and then becoming this hero of conduct. And then when he when he himself is about to die, his son transfers his powers to him. So now he's like living with this element of like, oh, my son, like this was my son's power. Like I shouldn't have this. He just gave it to me so I wouldn't die. So that element of the whole I'm not a hero. I understand that. But yeah, not all of it fully worked. Um, I don't know. That's kind of what I was getting at is that the aspect of him not feeling worthy because his son was chosen and then his son just gives this to him. Like the fact that he wasn't chosen by the wizard seemed to seems to really mess with him and make him feel like he's not a hero. So that I thought was really interesting, but it just came too late in the movie for me. Right. And I, I agree with that part. And then also to your big point, it's like, you know, they market this movie as like, you know, is he a hero? Is he a villain? Is he something in the middle? And a lot of this I liked because I like the idea that basically the only place in the world where Black Adam is a hero is in conduct because they like that he is getting rid of these oppressors and these like modern day slavers essentially they they're like that's great he's our symbol for that like you know he fights against oppression people like the JSA the Justice League they're not coming to help us why haven't they it's been 30 years technically 5000 there's even a line about that where it's like it's been 30 years but i guess if you think about it it's really been you know thousands of years so like nobody's going to save us this guy like he's willing to do what it takes so i like that he's a hero to conduct but you could also on the flip side understand why everywhere else in the world they'd be scared of somebody like this so that part of the whole hero versus villain worked for me it's like he's a hero in conduct but if he ever leaves conduct then that you know, people could be really scared of him and like they perceive him to be a villain. So that element was cool. But it's once you get to the nitty gritty of like introducing the JSA and like Hawkman, like 
like uh, essentially is like he wants like terrorists to have due process. It's like, what the fuck are you talking about? So that's where it gets like a little bit muddled. And like they just keep going back and forth like the samey dialogue, like Hawkman's like heroes don't kill people. And it's like, well, I do. I'm no. But then he's like, I'm no hero. It's like they just keep going back and forth with that same dialogue over and over again. Well, and to talk about the future really quick. So the idea that other people might perceive him as a villain, I, I guess that's that's interesting. But he, we still have not seen him be a villain. Like, what is going to be the cause for him to have to fight Superman? Because all we've seen him do is kill terrorists or kill slavers. So if he's doing that across the world, those aren't inherently villainous acts. I, I don't see this Black Adam, like, wanting to take over the world. Or, or, like, I don't see a reason why he would have to go up against Superman unless Superman is in conduct doing something and Black Adam's not happy about that. But then that would put Superman in the wrong. Yeah, we'll see how they play it out, because like if at the end, if the last shot of the movie had been him sitting in the throne and he's going to essentially be the king of conduct, then I would have understood it more. Because then if he goes around trying to liberate places, but he's doing it under the guise of ruling them as well, then, of course, he needs to be stopped. But here he destroys the throne and he's like, I'm not going to rule conduct. I'm going to protect it. I, I guess I would say I liked it in the vacuum of this movie. I thought it worked. But yeah, whenever you talk about the future, like you said, it's like. Is he going to listen to Amanda Waller and stay in conduct? If so, why would anybody really fuck with him? But then if he does leave, what would be the reason that people would try and stop him? Like, is he genuinely just like going around trying to protect other places? Maybe. And if that's the case, then, yeah, it'd be weird if then there's a movie where it's like Black Adam and Superman fighting. <laughs> so I don't know. They'll probably honestly do like the lame cop out like Batman v Superman thing where it's like, they do a movie where they call it Black Adam v Superman and they fight for like 10 minutes. And then, of course, they introduce an actual bad guy for them to team up against. I don't think they're ever going to fully lean into Black Adam is a villain, but in conduct, he is a hero, which is kind of more how it is in the comics. I don't think yeah. they're ever going to fully do that. But in the vacuum of this movie, I, I thought it worked not all the way, but a lot of the way. And I think that's that's the issue I'm getting at is. I thought the purpose of this movie was to introduce the anti-hero slash villain Black Adam, and they did not do a good job of that, I don't think. They yeah. introduced the hero Black Adam because he does the same stuff everybody else does in the DCEU. So, like, for me, I just don't I don't understand what the point of this character is going to be going forward. Right. And it, at least with Hawkman, like, they... And we're kind of talking about the JSA now, but at least with Hawkman, like... Even though it was cringy and corny, you can at least buy into the fact, OK, Hawkman just has the Batman code. Like killing is bad. But the Batman doesn't have that code in this universe. I know. I just, right. <laughs> I just mean in general, in general, um, he has that code and he won't kill. And whether or not you agree with it, at least you can understand his motivation. What was weirder for me is watching Dr. Fate try and stop Black Adam. That's where it got weirder. They almost tried to set up that Kent Nelson understands what Black Adam is doing. And then he puts on the helmet and he's just saying, like, I have to stop you. It's like, OK, but only for like five minutes. And then the rest of the film, he's kind of on Black Adam's right. side. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, I guess they had to do that. I don't know. Let's just open it up generally now. Let's just talk about the story itself. And obviously, you know, we can continue the JSA conversation. because That's a big part of it. The story of the movie is very light, right? It's just a typical origin story. We get the quick little flashback intro. He comes back. They play with the whole hero villain element. They introduce the JSA to take him down. Then it's like, all right, let's team up like BVS once again. And now we got to stop a villain that they introduce. I mean, I guess he was in the entire movie, but he's trying to get this crown so he can become the mirror version of Black Adam. But that only happens in the last like 25 minutes. They fight him. Some people die. And then, wow, Black Adam's our hero now. So very basic story. Is there anything else you think we need to talk about, like with the JSA or just the story itself? Like what worked? What didn't? Let's get into it. I think anything beyond the Black Adam and the JSA and the family's involvement is objectively pretty bad. It's just unoriginal. It's not interesting. Watching this guy put on a crown and then become a big red CGI monster. Not fun. I thought we were kind of past this. I've seen that critique a lot. Like I thought we I thought our superhero movies were past needing a big CGI baddie. It's weird to me that the JSA immediately needs to come to Condock because all of Waller and, and them on their satellites have seen him do is just take out some mercenary guys. So that, like that doesn't seem like a, a big need for me to like activate the JSA immediately and come see what Black Adam's up to. So it was cool to like get other superheroes involved in this story. But I think like anything beyond like introducing Black Adam and then having him interact with the JSA, the rest of that stuff was pretty uninteresting to me. 
So I wanted to get, I wanted to pick your brain here because what you just said, I totally agree with. It doesn't fully make sense why the JSA would get involved. It also doesn't make sense why Waller is almost, I guess Waller isn't their boss, but like, I guess maybe they just have like a, a deal. Like they'll work together occasionally. Uh, so the JSA is going to go in. The weird thing about that is the JSA is apparently, you know, this group of heroes. So they're trying to stop him on the pretense that killing is bad, which is like, okay, is that enough? Even not really in the context of like he's liberating these people and saving them. So that's where it gets weird. Where it would have worked is if Amanda Waller dispatched, you know, Task Force X, the Suicide Squad, because then you don't really need that element. Then you could just have Amanda Waller sitting in a room being like, look, I know Black Adam is saving conduct and liberating these people. And that's great. But Black Adam is, as we've seen, like a middle order in the past, but Black Adam's kind of scary. If that power gets out of control, then we can't stop him. So we, we should kind of nip that in the butt now. We should go kill him. Or, you know, it would have been way more interesting is if she dispatched Task Force X to try to get Black Adam under her heel, get a get a little chip in his head. And now he has to listen to Amanda Waller. Like things right. like that, I thought would have been way more interesting. And it would have worked with a story and you, would have, you wouldn't have like those cringy moments of like hero versus villain. But I did see people point out that maybe they had to create a workaround because at the end of James Gunn's Suicide Squad, Task Force X is not what it is. And they also leaked information about Amanda Waller and that publicly. So Waller can't easily just put together another Task Force X and send them out because they kind of, you know, that's become public. So I guess because of that, maybe that's why they had to introduce the JSA or just a different element than the Suicide Squad. What do you think? I mean, is there any like truth to that? Could they have made a workaround? What do you think? I think the better movie would have been Task Force X coming yeah. in and having to deal with Black Adam, because then you can just have all these villains going crazy on screen. That sounds really fun to me. And then maybe at the very end, the JSA comes in to stop all of them if they have to do that or something. I agree that where we left things in James Gunn's Suicide Squad, that continuity doesn't really make sense. It also still doesn't make sense if we're gonna go if we're gonna buy into that. It then does not make sense why Amanda Waller is now working with the JSA because they've only set up that she works with Task Force X. So is ta is the JSA a division of Task Force X? That doesn't make sense if you look at the comic history of the JSA. I like that the JSA is in this movie, but I think they raise a lot of questions. I didn't want to. I didn't have those questions going into the movie. Yeah, for sure. And we already talked about how like the relationships between them is questionable. Obviously, Hawkman and Dr. Fate are longtime friends. But then you contrast that with Adam Smasher and Cyclone, who are brand new to the team. So while they all have good scenes individually, there's only like maybe one or two good ones between them. So it, it left a lot to be desired just in general. And the JSA takes up a lot of the movie. And they try to give you backstory here, but it but they only try to do it with Cyclone, where Cyclone's like, there is a scientist that put nanobots in me. Uh, he was yeah. a bad guy. And that's it. It's like, I, I want to learn more about that. I thought the performances were good on the JSA, but I don't think they fit very organically into the movie. Yeah. And then it's unfortunate with like the weird villain stuff towards the end with Ishmael becoming Sabak, because at first it works because it's like, OK, Sabak wants to make this grand return. He is the last ascendant of the King of Kondok. So he's basically coming back to claim his throne. Um, but then almost immediately once he gets there, it's like, oh, that's not even a possibility because nobody wants you to. So it's like, OK, that was strange. What did Sabak think would happen? <laughs> like, what a bizarre twist. Uh, at least it led to some kind of cool uh, Amon like leading kind of this uprising kind of like the way that he kind of gets into the fight is like convincing all the other people. Oh, I thought conduct. that was so cheesy. I know. I know. It was cheesy. Uh, and it's also weird that that happened before Black Adam came back. If Black Adam had come back and like they see him, like their, their savior, like their statue, uh, maybe then they fight back. It was weird that it happened beforehand. I understand why they did it. But the whole like fighting the undead, it's like, oh, man, I, I was liking a lot of this movie. And now it's just really going into like really shitty like mcu third act territory well it just felt like they were like okay we've got sabak back now we got it we got to have the family and the kid involved so let's have them fight zombies it's like yeah. or not you could just yeah. have black adam like whisk them to safety and then just have them fight sabak it did give us a cool scene with dr fate though i did like the legions of dr fate <laughs> fighting basically anytime they did that watching dr fate make copies of himself and fight black adam was cool watching him fight no that was sabak really was cool, cool but yeah, that was great. And I, I like that he sacrifices himself and uses his powers to get Black Adam back into the fight. Yeah. I still don't need the zombies in the third act. Oh, though. yeah, I completely agree. <laughs> yeah. We should have just had Legions of Dr. Fate. We didn't need Legions of Zombies. What a what a weird. Yeah, that was that was I kind of laughed when that happened. I was like, is this really happening? <laughs> this movie. Were you uh, confused about all the random tech in this movie? 
Like the JSA has this really advanced ship. Conduct has these like electric speeders that are like hover bikes. Well, that was the in- that was the intergang that had it. I just didn't really know too much about intergang going in. That wasn't like Conduct's technology. That was just that whatever that group's technology was that Ishmael's apparently like high up in. And I'm not counting this as like a negative in the movie, but it it was just things that appeared on screen that took me out of it. And I was like, where did that come from? Like, I've, I've never seen this anywhere else in this universe. That's kind of the tough thing with these, like, you know, continuity and these cinematic universes is just it's like, oh, where'd that come from? Because, like, I know Hawkman, like, and the nth metal thing, that's a big thing in the comics. But I, I just kind of chuckle to myself whenever they get on the ship and he's like, yeah, this whole thing's made of nth metal. It's like, OK, cool. <laughs> Sounds good, man. <laughs> yeah. And also they say that Dr. Fate's helmet is from another planet, but I don't think it's from another planet. I thought it was just a magical thing. Yeah, I can't remember if it's from another planet or not. I know it ties into, you know, obviously magic in general and just different dimensions and stuff like that. But yeah, I wasn't sure about that either. I was also surprised the helmet seemed to disappear at the end. Um, They they mentioned it in the movie that, you know, Dr. Fate's helmet. But I don't think they mentioned Nobu, who is like the actual... Like whenever you put on the helmet, like Nobu is now in charge. Like that is Dr. Yeah, I do Fate. not trust Dwayne Johnson to explain Nobu to general audiences. <laughs> I'm glad I, they left that alone. <laughs> I was just surprised that the uh, helmet has appeared at the end. Like we're not seemingly, at least for now, like the helmet is not going to do that thing where it's like it picks its next in line. Like nobody else is going to be Dr. Fate seemingly. Yeah. So we'll see what they do with that. Um, I don't know. Obviously, that's not a big deal. They did have one throwaway line where they were like, when he puts that helmet on, it's almost like he's possessed. But not really. Seemed like it was just Kent Nelson the whole time, and then he can very easily just take it off, very much unlike the comics. That's always the interesting thing with Dr. Fate is when he puts that helmet on, it's always Nobu a gamble of, of when Nobu will let him take it off. And in this movie, it's just willy-nilly whenever he wants, that <laughs> thing comes off. Yeah, Pierce Brosnan was like, look, I'm not doing that. <laughs> he was smart my, to do one and done. My face needs to be on screen. <laughs> yeah. I'll do your movie, Dwayne, but I am not signing on for more of these. You can kill me at the end. Yeah, respect, respect. So we've kind of talked about the bare bones story, a lot about the JSA's involvement, you know, all that fun stuff, Amanda Waller and what she seems to be up to. Obviously, the big marketing push, like we said, was the whole hero versus anti-hero versus villain thing. We got through that. So let's just finish up kind of before we get into our closing segments. Let's talk about the action. We've talked a lot about it already, but what are the other standout points we haven't talked about? Because I have like a lot of individual moments. Like I said, pretty much anything with Dr. Fate, while it's not anything brand new. I still thought it was cool. Um, so yeah, there was way too much slow motion in the movie, but I still liked a lot of the action. <laughs> I think my highlight with the action comes from Cyclone. I really like the way they shot her powers and how bright and colorful it was. Color's always been an issue in the DCU, and I thought she looked great on screen. And the slow motion with her stuff, I thought looked pretty unique too. Fun comic book thing, but whenever she arrived at uh, Hawkman's mansion, whatever the thing like recognized her, It was very quick, but it seemed to call her Red Tornado. Yeah, that's because she's the niece of Red Tornado. That's what I that's what I thought. I was like, wait, are they like trying to imply that this is like a you know like a non android version? I was like, okay, no, that's that's right. So I thought that was fun. It's also fun thinking about the JSA because Red Tornado and the older Adam Smasher were the like kind of original JSA members. Uh... So having their their lineage in this team, I thought was cool. Okay. Uh, they don't tell you any of that history in this movie, but I guess it's a fun reference for comic book fans. Yeah, I didn't even think about that part with Cyclone, at least. But obviously, they had Henry Winkler <laughs> for that fun cameo. So, OK, that makes more sense. Um, anyway, yeah, I, I liked, um, like I said, all the Dr. Fate action. I agree with you on Cyclone. Adam Smasher, again, nothing new, but still, I thought pretty organically, like, well done. I would have liked some more. Still fun. Noah Centineo is more just used for his charm and charisma, I think, than anything else, like less about cool action and he nailed that i thought he was very charming i liked him learning on the fly i like the moments whenever he fucks up and hawkman just looks at him and says you and me on the ship later those are always funny so (laughs) i like also there was only one line in this movie that audibly made me laugh and it's when adam smasher is big he uh puts his hand up he just misses black adam and says watch out man i almost hit you and then smacks hawkman in the face thought that was really funny uh, yeah. Only funny scene in the movie, though. That was the second you and me part. That was that was I laughed at that, too. <laughs> that was good. Um, as for other action, I mean, I don't know. There was a lot. Like I said, a lot of little pieces here and there that I liked. I liked that opening scene where we talked about him moving around like Man of Steel and like the lightning was actually kind of used in an interesting way. in that opening scene, when he gets released from prison um, and then it's immediately followed up by albeit a corny scene. I still thought it was fun listening to like the 
I can't like like a weird version of uh, Paint It Black by the Rolling Stones, and it's like all slow motion. There's still bits and pieces. Like I love to thunderclap. It's like, did I love the scene? No, but I love like that weird thing where he clapped his hands and is watching like the echo just like destroy everybody. It's like that was cool. Um, and then of course I'm always a sucker for like those like final hype moments. Whenever he like gets behind Sabak and says, "Tell him the men in black sent you," and then just rips him in half, and that's like good slow mo. Then you just see like Sabak's head in half, and you just see Dwayne Johnson screaming in like the middle of it. I was like, that's sick. <laughs> so there were some fun moments here and there. Is all I'm saying. I thought the action for the most part worked. I don't think this movie had any hype moments for me. Like at the scene you just referenced, I just rolled my eyes. I was like, okay, <laughs> it wasn't really earned. But I mean, if there had been a better story and that had happened, I might have been like, oh, sweet. I'm excited for the future of this. But when that happened, I was like, I'm glad the credits are next. Yeah, <laughs> I'm glad the credits are next. <laughs> That's a fair point. That's a fair point. Uh, less of a cool moment, but we got a shout out. Um the other laugh out loud moment for me was Mohammed Amir as Uncle Kareem. Whenever he, the zombies show up and he's like, I don't die by zombies. I die by like being an electrician. That was good. Yeah, that was <laughs> just good. Walks in and starts beating them all. That was pretty cool. So there you go. That's a Black Adam for you. Not a whole lot to say. You know, for me, it was a pretty fun movie. Austin seemed to think it was okay, but we both agree that it's not great. <laughs> so Mediocre at best. Yeah, but let's go ahead and talk about, like we both said, the more interesting thing is what this movie led to when it came to behind-the-scenes talks. So let's just talk about the future of DC that we know about before we close out. Henry Cavill's back. Uh, seems like Dwayne Johnson has the keys to the castle now. Are we interested in this? What do you want to talk about here, Austin? We can talk about the mid credit scene to start, I guess. Do you mind if I make a little funny joke I wrote down in my notes before we get into this to sum that. up my thoughts on Black Adam? Please. All right, this is me practicing for my five-minute stand-up special. Okay. Uh, the motto for this movie is, a bad plan is better than no plan at all. I guess the studio thought a bad Black Adam movie is better than no Black Adam movie at all. <laughs> Got him. Got him, Dwayne. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, but yes, Henry Cavill is back. All I can say is I'm at least happy he's back. I've always wanted Man of Steel 2. I've never wanted someone else to replace Henry Cavill. So I, I'm just happy he's back in the universe. I hope, like, I really, really hope Dwayne Johnson is not, like, the driving force behind the DCEU now. Like, I hope he doesn't have, like, full creative control like Zack Snyder used to have. I hope they're going to, like, install someone else in that role. Because um, if, if it's The Rock show, I don't have any interest in more movies like this. So I, I hope he, ha he had control here for his movie. But I hope he doesn't have, like, an influence on the other projects in the DCEU. And I, I think we were kind of joking about it at the beginning. I don't think he will. I think he'll have a lot of say maybe when it comes to how much he gets to be in it. So that could affect a lot of projects, like when or how often his character shows up, I mean. Um, and because he's involved, like you said, you don't you said at, at some point that you don't want a Black Adam 2, but you're excited to see this character pop up. I think we're going to get a Black Adam 2. <laughs> I think because of The Rock and uh, you know the money it makes, I, I doubt we like, he'll get an, another movie at some point. Uh, so we'll probably see him a lot. I think he'll have a say in that, but hopefully he doesn't have much say beyond that. I don't think he will. Um, but yeah, I, I'm totally with you on Henry Cavill. I'm glad he's back. He got like a fucking raw deal. It's funny to talk about because we're talking about Black Adam, obviously, but I always remember that story about Shazam because Henry, well, I shouldn't say Henry Cavill, but Superman shows up at the ending of Shazam, but it's just played as a joke because they couldn't get, and it's headless because because they couldn't get Henry Cavill to agree Still to a so cameo. Still so funny when you think about it. <laughs> and from what I recall, the whole thing there was they asked Henry Cavill to like cameo in all of these movies, and he was like, "Yeah, I'd love to, but if you know I'm going to do that, what's the plan with Man of Steel too? Because people want that." And they were like, "We're not doing that." And he's like, "Okay, if we're, if we're not doing that, then I'm not going to be in these pointless cameos if there's no future for what I'm doing. That like that, that. How does that help me at all?" And so that's why he kind of went away for a long time. So from what I heard, the idea of him being in this movie was contingent on making a sequel to Man of Steel. So I'm with you. I, was the scene very good? No. And we both asked some questions about it earlier, but I'm just glad he's back. I didn't want him to be replaced either. I'm excited about the idea of Supergirl coming in that we've heard about from The Flash. Like I'd like to see a Supergirl in this world, but I was always of the opinion, but Henry Cavill can stay too. Like, why not have them both? So I'm glad he's here. I'm really excited about it. Um, so hopefully that means the future of, a, you know, the DCEU is a little bit brighter because we'll have his performance. And like I always said, even going back to, you know, Justice League, my favorite part about that movie is we get a more traditional but still exciting version of Superman by the end of that movie. And I wanted to see 
that version continue on. And I even think Zack Snyder's version has that same feel. So either way you look at it, you can still continue on. So I would love a sequel. I'm not the biggest Man of Steel fan. I like it more than I used to. But yeah, I'm excited for more. And I keep hearing that Christopher McQuarrie, who's behind like, he wrote and directed like the last three Mission Impossible movies. He's working on the next two, filming them back to back. And he wrote, I guess I, I, sh- I shouldn't give him writing credit, but I know he did a pass on Top Gun Maverick. So he's just a champion when it comes to action and then also blending like teams, emotion and like drama and all that. So, I mean, seems like a perfect pick to at least write Man of Steel 2. I, honestly, I'd love for him, for him to direct it. That's what I'm most excited about is Man of Steel 2 with Christopher McQuarrie's involvement. I think it's going to be a really fun movie, and I think it's going to give us the more classic Superman everyone's wanted from Henry Cavill. Um, I would encourage anybody that's a DCU fan or just interested in the future of these of these franchises to go read the Hollywood Reporter article that's out there about the future. Uh, we'll link it on in this episode's description, but I'd encourage anybody to check that out. They do lay out a lot of things that people are kind of vying for for projects now that there's like a power vacuum at Warner Bros. and DC currently. The thing that's interesting to me is you mentioned this at the top, Matt, but it sounds like James Gunn is going to have a lot more involvement in the future of the DCEU. He's working on a sequel to The Suicide Squad. He's working on a sequel to Peacemaker 2 or Peacemaker Season 2. And then there's an untitled project that he's working on. And who knows, maybe that could be a Superman movie, too. Yeah, I mean, I'd be totally down with a Chris McQuarrie written script and a James Gunn directed Superman movie. We'll see. From what I heard, he just pitched it very recently. So I doubt we'll hear about that mystery project for a long time. Uh, but I'm still excited that he is actively like working on this many things in DC because I like his, I like him as a director a lot, even with his smaller stuff. But I think he just has a good, he, he has a, I don't know, he has a good fit for DC in general. I feel like there's a lot of different types of stories he could tell, so I'm excited about that. Um, but yeah, I, I'm just excited more so for the the future of DC than I ever have been before. I certainly didn't feel like this a few years ago with like the whole like Justice League kind of power vacuum and that kind of kind of took the wind out of a lot of people's sails. But, you know, I, I, I'm interested. I like that they're making movies that seem to be part of the like mainline continuity. But then we still get stuff like, you know, Matt Reeves, Batman, too. So we're still getting kind of those offshoots that technically have nothing to do with anything else. I like that we get these Elseworlds stories in addition to kind of continuing a main story that who knows, maybe now will lead to another Justice League movie down the line. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up Matt Reeves, because something I was worried about with there being a new a new power structure at DC and Warner Bros is that new leadership was going to come in, not want the Elseworld stuff and just want to kind of build out their MCU with DC characters. And so maybe stuff like Matt Reeves, projects would get canned, but I'm excited because it sounds like he still has a lot of creative control over his Batman universe. He's working on the Batman two. He's got the penguin show coming out on HBO max. And then I also saw that he's working on more villain centric movies for like calendar man or scarecrow or clayface and those are going to be set within the batman universe as well i guess he's probably still working on the arkham asylum show right yeah that one's interesting because originally it was that gcpd show and then now it's shifted to be a horror show focused on arkham asylum which with matt Reeves behind that i'm super interested in yeah we'll see and that that maybe that shows the way they springboard the joker fully into that continuity so but yeah, I totally agree with you. I, I like that just because they're kind of getting their shit together finally after 10 years with the DCEU, that's not neglecting kind of those side projects. I, I was happy to hear that I think both, um, I know for sure Harley Quinn on HBO Max, the animated show, got renewed for another season. I think maybe Doom Patrol was too, or I, or I think more so Doom Patrol has a new season coming out. So I like that even those shows that are you know critically acclaimed and are really, really good are still getting new seasons. I hope that continues with you know the new leadership. It seems like they at least renewed one of them. So hopefully that's a good sign. Um, but yeah, I'm excited that we're still getting all these really fun side projects. And yeah, Man of Steel 2. Um, the Flash is a weird one. <laughs> that's a really that was what I wanted to, to bring about. up because we still have The Flash coming up next year with Ezra Miller. But of course, they have a ton of legal issues. So apparently, according to The Hollywood Reporter, the Flash 2 script is already written, but that does not star Ezra Miller. So maybe we'll say goodbye to him and Ben Affleck in the same movie. Yeah, I, w- I was saying that uh, they had that script written already. And I think, haven't they already said that they Ezra Miller will not be returning? I don't know if that's official, but I feel like that, I feel like we know that. So I'm excited for like a good recasting. You know, I hope it's a, a good one. <laughs> so we'll see what happens with that. But yeah, I mean, going back to your Batfleck point, I mean... Is there any situation where, I don't know, maybe Henry Cavill coming back? Does that at all make the whole Ben Affleck returning conversation more interesting? We know 
after The Flash moved to come out after Aquaman 2, that they reshot a scene in Aquaman 2 that was originally with Michael Keaton and they replaced him with Ben Affleck, so it would make sense with the continuity. So he still has a, f- a few more appearances coming. Is there any chance that like maybe with like more of a plan set in place for the DCEU that he decides to stay on and maybe he's not like a maybe they never make the Batman solo movie with him but maybe he just like kind of stays on and comes back every you know few years or something is that real or do do we think he's still gonna die in Flashpoint or just get replaced by the end like he'll just you know be gone with how the Flashpoint comic book goes yeah there's a lot there I I think this one honestly is up to Ben Affleck because Henry Cavill has been campaigning a lot or at least been pretty vocal that he wants to stay as Superman Whereas Ben Affleck has been pretty vulnerable and talked about that doing the Batman with Justice League and all that stuff was like some of the most miserable years of his life just personally. Um, he has said he had a lot more fun filming The Flash as as Batman. So maybe if he wants it, maybe there's a place for him. I hope so. I still really like his Batman. I did think it was interesting that in Black Adam for the brief shot of Batman, they did show his Batman. So oh, maybe yeah. there is room for him to still be involved in the extended stuff. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, we'll see. Um, I don't think they have to have him come back, but it would be cool. Another guy like Henry Cavill that kind of got a raw deal with his performance in the DCEU. Completely agree, because he was so much better in the Snyder Cut version of Justice League than the theatrical, oh man, like night and day <laughs> for sure. Um, we don't have to talk about all the upcoming projects, but like I said, I'm just in general, like I just have like a general feeling of excitement. I'm excited for Aquaman sequels. I'm excited for Flash sequels without Ezra Miller. I'm excited for Man of Steel 2. I know I liked uh, Wonder Woman 84 more than you guys by a lot. But even if even if I hated it, I'd, I'd still be excited for a third Wonder Woman movie with Patty Jenkins and Gal Gadot. So I'm excited for the future. I guess that's how I can end my point. Excited for all of these, all the side stuff with Matt Reeves and maybe J.J. Abrams working on that Michael B. Jordan thing still. Who knows? But regardless, I'm excited. And a few years ago, I was completely done. So Black Adam as a standalone movie, it didn't make me feel excited for this stuff. But with all the stories coming out like behind the scenes, it seems like the team is kind of getting their shit together. So hopefully that leads to something exciting. So I'm feeling excited. So I hope I actually get something exciting. I'm feeling excited. I'm just not feeling confident because they haven't put out like a standout movie in a long time, Um, especially for a DCEU movie. Like the Batman's great, but it's not the DCEU. That's kind of its own thing where they kind of just let Matt Reeves run with it. I still don't trust Warner Bros. as a studio to handle these projects because they always meddle and they always mess stuff up. They cancel stuff. They just they do weird stuff. So until they actually start building a good foundation, I'm going to always be excited about DC stuff, but I have no confidence that we're going to get great movies until they actually show me they can do that. Yeah, I totally hear you. At least I have that feeling of like, uh, like I'm I'm hopeful, but I I hear what you're saying. It's like, will they pull it off? Probably a little bit more than in the past, but I'm sure there's still going to be some misses along the way. I'm also curious once leadership finally gets decided at DC and Warner Bros., does whoever that is come in and nix all these projects? Because these projects are getting kind of announced and signed on, but there's no leadership there. So, like, is that a reason to feel confident or, or nervous that these projects are actually going to happen? Maybe. I don't know. They could do the thing that DC's been doing for a while where they bring in somebody. And it's like, hey, we're bringing you in to, like, figure out the future. But these things that we've announced already, you can't fuck with. They've done that before. Maybe they'll do that again. It's like everything we've announced is concrete. And now we need you to work on the stuff after that. So. We'll see. There's just still so many unknowns. Yep. It's always, it's never clear with DC what you're nope. going to get. So it's why is it so hard to make good movies? I don't know. Uh, for my Arnie's podcast award today, I'm giving, uh, I don't even know what I would call it. I'm just going to give the award for, I'm excited, I'm hopeful, but I don't know if they'll pull it off and I'm scared award to the higher ups at DC. All right. Well, for my Arnie's podcast award, uh, for Black Adam, I'm going to give the one and done award to Pierce Brosnan. I referenced this earlier, but he nailed it. He was very smart. Come in, give a great performance, make the audience want more, but then make sure you're killed off in this movie so you don't have to sign on to the uncertainty that is the Warner Bros. DC universe. My hero, Pierce Brosnan gets it. (laughs) Right. Well, with that, everybody, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you hit that follow button so you never miss our upcoming content. Also, if you wouldn't mind sharing us with a friend, we'd really appreciate that to continue to grow our show. Please leave us reviews as well. Even if you don't want to write anything, leaving us a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts really does help us out. At The Arnie's is our social, and thearnies.media is the website. We'll be back next Tuesday for another episode. And also, last week, we put out our thoughts on what may be the worst movie of the year. And that's Halloween Ends. Uh, So if you want to hear us talk about how bad that movie is, um, how baffling 
that franchise is, where they went from Halloween 2018 to this. Uh, be sure to go check that episode out. Uh, and lastly, everybody, we do want to hear from you. So message us on Instagram at the Arnie's or email us thearniesmedia at gmail.com. What did you think of Black Adam? Has the hierarchy of power truly changed? Are you excited for the future of the DCEU? Anything you say, we'll read on the show and react to it live on the latest episode. So with that, everybody, have a great rest of your week. We'll see you next time. Bye. Do you think this was better or worse than Morbius? Better. Better, for sure. I would say equal. Ooh. <laughs> He's a doctor.